Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Uh, Mikey Stafford here with you. I'm joined as always by Rory O'Neill, and we've a show in two two acts here today, starting with football. So Kieran Whelan and Damian Lawler with us. How are you, lads? Good, boys. Very good, good, Mikey. And uh, just in the second half of the show, we'll we'll discuss hurling with Dennis Walsh of the Sunday Times and with Anthony Daly. Um, and I, I think it's fair to say that's the kind of the football championship proper kicks off today and that that's not to do any disrespect to the, the matches that there were last weekend but it does feel like we've got our first kind of uh first couple of blockbusters this weekend and uh i should say notable mention to to uh new york obviously who scared the wits out of sligo and new sligo had their first ever under 20 kind of title last night congrats mm, to them that's an uh, achievement yeah a, a good news story um for a county that needs it and a ga community that needs it after the tragic death of red oak Big time. um mm. But we'll we'll start further north, uh, Damien, and the the Armagh Donegal match has had quite the build up. There was the the league finale, um, and how that that wound out, uh, how that ended up, and has it really only finished up yesterday or the night before, Damien, with the uh, with the news that Kieran Mackin is actually now the only Armagh man who's likely to miss uh, Sunday's game with Stephen Campbell and Aidan Nugent joining Reen O'Neill uh, in the burst for freedom. Um, and we understand that Neil McGee and Oren McFed and Ferry are uh, taking their medicine. So um, yeah. our, our fought the law and uh, it paid off. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, from a, a reporter's point of view, Mikey, the last couple of days, like, we're, we're, we're tough going. There was a serious information vacuum. Um, word came out uh, the night before last, what day is Thursday? So I think word came out Tuesday night that the Armagh players had, had got off at central appeals level. So you know what happened? The uh, the frack had took place at the end of the league game in Letterkenny. Um, players were, were brought forward, um, mentioning match official Paddy Nealan's report. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, Reno Neal was brought into the mix by the CCCC. Um, he got off in a technicality. Straight away to Donegal, two lads, uh, McGee and uh, McFadden Ferry, uh, they, they took their medicine, they accepted the ban and uh, they didn't go any further with it. Uh, Armagh contested uh, the three charges, Stephen Campbell, uh, Aidan Nugent and Kira Mackin. And uh, basically working out the Tuesday night that all three had got, got off and were clear to play, which would be a colossal, colossal advantage for, uh, for the team. But uh, I, I just couldn't get any clarity on that Tuesday night. So I am um, as much clarity as I wanted. So I spent literally most of yesterday uh, working that story. And it turned out that Kieran Mackin uh, wasn't cleared to play. He had withdrawn his case the week before, um, before hearings level. And he now misses out. The, the chances are he's injured anyway. Uh, but he misses out on Sunday's game while the other two are free to play. Uh, meanwhile, the Donegal players, they missed their window of appeal and uh, they won't play. And Donegal had no comment to make on the matter yesterday. Very few people had any comment to make on the matter <laughs> yesterday, uh, to be to be honest about it. But it just it just took a bit of digging. But we got there in the end in terms of Mackin now misses out of the weekend. Um, and, and a new focus now comes on the referee's match report and particularly the rule contributing to a melee. Uh, because the, the word I was getting back was 
the charge against the Armagh players was not specific enough. Uh, another source told me there wasn't enough detail in it, but the the, the law, the, ref, the actual rule guide, doesn't require for a description of how they contributed to a melee. So how, how, how can you not feel sorry for a referee here? They're not legal experts, but I think uh, going forward, they're going to have to have their match reports word tight if the cases are going to stand up through the disciplinary system, Mikey. And that appears to be what's not happening at the minute. Yeah, Karen, that it, it does seem kind of mad. The rule should be the rule. And however, as long as the, as long as the referee states, you know, what the infraction was, like surely that should be enough. Like the GA are trying to clamp down on Malise, Shamazels, all ins, whatever you're having yourself, whatever you want to call them. And this this kind of news this week, and I'm not saying that the like the Armagh fellows maybe you know maybe they're getting off as maybe they're rightly getting off and they were innocent as charged. <laughs> but um, if the GA want to want to clamp down on this, a this this isn't going to help because everyone's going to appeal everything, and b referees are going to just they're just going to stop trying to try to penalise this stuff because they'll know it's just got, not going to be worth their not worth the hassle. Yeah, I think Mike, when you strip it back, you got to wonder is there is there a fundamental problem with the rule book? Um, and, and how we go and implement the rules because you see in other sports this this just doesn't arise where someone gets suspended they're suspended it's end of story um, and I think it's going back to the word that Damien said technicality you know there's so many avenues to pursue a technicality because the, the, maybe the whole disciplinary system is so complex you know and like I even go back to the Battle of Alma where you know where weren't in the referee's report. We were cited by video, I think 10 of us at the time, um, and suspensions were brought forward by the CCC. Um, and, you know, once the League of People get involved in it... Should it, they be allowed into it, Rilo? Should they well, be allowed in? Is it overly judicious? Like, should they think, actually be allowed I think, in? I think that's, that's fundamentally the problem, Rory, because once they get involved in it, they are looking to expose a technicality within the whole process, right? And I, I distinctly remember that that time, you know, we would have, we obviously got all legal advice in terms of how we were to approach the process. Uh, the suspensions were brought by the CCC. We went in to, I think, it's now, there's so many bloody uh, acronyms. I think it was the CAC that we went to make the appeal to. Um, but there was one rule to say that the CCC could not interfere with the CAC's process. Um, and I was, I remember at the time being charged, I think the rule at that time was bringing the game into disrepute rather than contributing to a melee. So I was given a distinct time in my letter as to when I brought the game into disrepute. And I, we were simply, we were advised, again, it was trying to trick the GA up in terms of the process and to go in and ask the CAC, where did I bring the game into disrepute and ask them to point that out. And in order to point that out, to bring a member of the CCC who had originally brought the charges in to show where we get we brought the game into disrepute straight away, we had a breach of technicality. Boom, case gone, and everyone on the same basis. So, like, I think the whole I know the DRA was brought in to to try and stop people from going down the route of the High Court and bring a, a legal finality to it. But the bottom line here is, you know, the GAS they're trying to clamp down. They're, they want to go to zero. They're asking referees to do that. Uh, but the reality is probably a high percentage of lads will get off on a technicality because the process is so complex. And bringing the league of people into they will tie amateur people in knots. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and I think that's, that's, that's ultimately leading to uh, the, 
reason why, why, why the players are getting off. I think Donegal probably looked at this and said, you know, Neil McGee's not going to play. Uh, or McFerry, I thought he's, a, he's had a very, very good league campaign and he is a bit of a loss to them. Uh, but they probably thought they were less damaged and, and took a bit of a punt to, to accept uh, the, the, the suspensions in good faith in the hope that Armagh might do the same. But Armagh were never going to do that. And, 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 and even, you know, even the contrast between, you know, if you get suspended in a league, you miss a league, it's a big deal. You'll kind of just sit back and maybe take it in. But the fact the consequences were around a first-round championship game, Armagh, Donegal, massive impact on the rest of the year, Armagh were always going to appeal. Um, and, you know, they brought the, they brought a strong legal team with them. So, like, the, 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 the saying, if you have a good, if you have a good solicitor, you have a better chance of getting off. Yeah. It, yeah, the Johnny Cochran in, did in the, in the sporting environment, you know. Yeah, I'm glad you told us about your battle of Oma, uh, your your loophole there, because I was about to praise you for the fact how you were the first man of 16 to stand up after another shameful scene you were involved in in Parnell Park with me, than how you accepted your suspension there, <laughs> well, mainly because you're only going to miss one Leinster match. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know what the point there was, and there is a kind of a backstory to that. But again, it comes back to people decide it is is the players or the management kind of decide on the route that generally generally it is the managers. It generally is the management team that will decide, yes, we're going to collectively appeal it and everyone's going to appeal. But that day against me, I, I remember going to Pillar the following night and, and saying Monday night the train, I said, Pillar, listen, I'm not going down this route again because, you know, it's guilt. We were guilty. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't. <laughs> it was very hard to, to stand over and defend trying to get off. So, yeah, being true it on both sides. But, uh, you know, yeah, it comes back to if, if the whole, I think, the whole rule book is so open to interpretation and challenge around technicalities that it gives it it, it makes it very very difficult for these who are probably charged to respond to these technicalities and and uh, and, and obviously committee members so it's, it's it's a tough one yeah um we might we, we might leave it at that because i don't want to get i don't want it's to, to overshadow yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it is, and, and just just one other point mikey it's desperately undermining for referees yeah you know we have a big problem in sport across the board in terms of refereeing recruitment. I mean, if you look at the refereeing appointments this weekend, if I'm not mistaken, Morris Deegan is heading up to do that Donegal Arma match. Morris Deegan's on the go about 25 years, like, you know? So, like, and I look fine ref, loves a smile, but, like, the, the, I'm not so sure. Like, where are the good refs coming? And this is half the problem. Fellas are looking at this, they're going, do I really? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get any backup here. The rule book is obviously you know, flagrantly, you know, behind the times and out of date, far too open to interpretation. I make a big decision in terms of penalising fellas. I thought David Goff took an admirable stance there at that time, but apparently he got bogged down in a load of admin as well. So fellas are, like, referees are probably saying to themselves, now from here on in, is it worth my while? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's absolutely it. So, um, look, it, 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 unfortunately, it's a tale almost as old as time for us. So we, we will move on to the match itself. It, because... adds, it, adds, a bit of, it adds a bit of health spice to the game, though, doesn't it? Certainly it certainly does. It, <laughs> yeah. it, it does that. And um, Damien, it is, it's, it's an intriguing match for a number of reasons. Obviously, there is the, <laughs> the precursor. There's what went before. So that's obviously going to add that bit of spice. Um, and beyond that, there's also just the form of the two teams because... Yeah. You know, Armagh were kind of the buzz team at the start of the league because they beat Dublin before we knew that everybody was going to beat Dublin. And um, so that that was good. But they kind of, they petered out a little bit, whereas Donegal, all through the league, we've been talking about how 
inconsistent they were. And, you know, but they drew with Mayo, they beat Kildare, they beat Tyrone, they lost to Monaghan and Dublin, and then they beat Armagh and they finished fourth in the league. So, you know, despite everybody thinking their their style of play is is outdated, they're terribly inconsistent. By judging by the league table, they're the fourth best team in the country. <laughs> and 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 that's it, like and, and with the likes of Paddy McBrady on the field and, and Michael Murphy and, and Ryan McHugh, they're capable of anything. Like Kieran Kieran Mackin's going to be a colossal loss, first of all. He's going to be a colossal loss. Um the <clears> fact <throat> that the game is on a Bally Buffet, that's another massive kudos uh for Donegal. Like they're so hard to beat there, like it's going back an awful long time since they were beaten there in the league um, in terms of um, Monaghan, Monaghan beat them there in the league this year Damo for the first yeah, time I think in, in 12 years or something. and, and he was going to say be, be, yeah be, I forgot yeah. about that game before that it was it was so remember, like, yeah. yeah it was it was so so long and they probably got draws or, or won games that they probably could have lost previously uh, the general point I'd make is what Kieran was saying there about the, the spice going into this game uh, well, well, Donegal won't need much to, to raise their gallop. Um, they have not always been consistent. They're an infuriating team to follow, I would imagine. Um, they're capable of anything on the day, but they don't always produce it. Uh, the times I saw Armagh play during the league, they, they look spectacular at times, but I'm just wondering, was it too early? So I would just get the feeling, just to back up what you were saying there, Mikey, in recent weeks, I get the feeling that the tide has turned slightly. Um, I think that Donegal... Uh, they've found a, a kind of a, a level that they can build upon. Uh, on paper, at home, they are going to be very, very hard to beat. Uh, I think Armagh will wonder when, if not this year. But I think the tide has turned a little bit. I think the events of the past few days won't harm Donegal at all. I would imagine the Donegal County Board got awful flack for not going ahead and appealing their two players as well. Mm. But they stood to their guns and... I think uh, you was talking to the Donegal board yesterday, no comment to make on the matter, but they said that they comment after the weekend. And I think they'll have to comment on the field um, and, 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 you know, use Bally Buffet as being a fortress again. Yeah. Uh, we love the Armad's form, as I said, was like catching the start. And then you kind of look at the teams, you know, how they did against teams, I suppose, who would fit the Donegal bill to some extent, you know, who kind of who run the ball, basically. And, you know, they drew with Monaghan. They lost to Mayo and they obviously they lost to Donegal. So... Is do you think teams are seeing this as the kind of the, the way to go at Armagh? Perhaps is to run at them, and maybe Donegal's slightly what we might say outmoded style of play might actually be the way to go against this Armagh team. Yeah, possibly, but I, I definitely think from an Armagh perspective, like the last couple of years, you know, they were so open, they were very exciting watching the play, attractive football, but they left themselves so open at the back. If you remember against Monaghan last year, Monaghan carved them open previous year in the win Donegal made an absolute dog's dinner them in the Ulster Championship um, and definitely you, I think Armagh set out their stall to kind of re, restructure their team and, and, and defend that scoring zone and they've only conceded three goals in the league they've been solid at the back and then they've had to mix it up in the terms of their counter play they will, they will go long by foot if they get that opportunity if they get this opportunity if they have to carry be more patient. So I definitely think Armagh um, for me are, are are on an upward curve and have improved greatly compared to where they were. And they're coming against a team against Donegal, which you just you know Dame touching there, you just can't trust them, Mikey. You just you just can't. Trust them. I, I I saw them in Bally Buffet against Tyrone on the back of having watched them against Kerry in the league, where they were just 
awful. Now, I get that. You, you, that's, you kind of nearly parked that because no one wins in Killarney. Long journey down, just weren't tuned in, out of it. But at halftime against in the Tyrone game, I was actually thinking the body language was poor. There was a lot of negativity up around Donegal about the whole, the whole team, management, everything. And then they came out in the second half and just turned on this brilliant yeah. performance and beat Tyrone. And you're kind of going, you're left kind of flabbergasted. So they have that ability to turn it on. And, and even coming back to it, like I, w- I would challenge their mental strength to a certain degree because they've collapsed against Cavan, they've collapsed in Super 8 games. The Michael Murphy factor, I know it's always talked about, but when he's on the field with them, they're a different team. Um, mm. He came on at halftime again after giving Monaghan a six, seven point lead. And he played in around the middle and he's delivering quick early ball into the forward line. And they look like now at some. At, Unfortunately, at some point, you wanted Michael Murphy in midfield and Michael Murphy also receiving the ball on the full forward line. That's the downside. But I still think he's usually influential in terms of when he's on the field. He's their leader. And I think Donegal need other fellas to start stepping into that breach uh, when he's not around because he is susceptible to injuries and all that sort of stuff. So you're just it's, it's, it's an inconsistent Donegal team with massive amount of ability against an Armagh team, for me, on the rise. Um, so it's fascinating it's, I, I think it's going to be a cracker of a game mm. for me I just think Armagh's time I think Armagh just might edge it because I think Donegal are just patchy and they might you know if they if they if they if they look back even the Cavan game if they manage to close down Murphy rotate markers manage to close down Ryan McHugh take out a couple of the big Donegal influential factors uh, which, they're, which they're quite capable of doing and they've Reen O'Neill back on the edge of the square. You know, Rory Grugan, who's playing great football. Lugent is obviously back in. He's supplementing the forward line. I just think Armagh uh, could just edge it. Could just edge it. It would be very close. Okay, Rory, you want to call it? Yeah, I think, oh, look, I went for Armagh to win Ulster, and I'm not going to diverge from that now at this point. Um, they haven't beaten Donegal in the championship since 2010. They have a terrible record in the Ulster Championship in general under Kieran McGinney. I think they were very impressive at times during the league. I think Wheelow mentioned a very good word there, trust. Can you trust Donegal? I think you can trust Armagh more and I'm just going to go for Armagh to eke out a tight win in a, uh, in Bally Buffet for a famous victory. Damien? McCall and Oreen could be crucial there and I agree when I see Michael Murphy playing they're way steadier and he's he's a kick out option um he, he's an option on the edge of the square but he, he's a he's a playmaker as well he just calms things down uh, as inconsistent as they are um and i've seen our close spotters mikey with, with kieran donny the the difference he's made to the intensity and closing up the back I just have it in my gut to go for Donegal this time. And I'm so impressed with watching Armagh play football in the league. They're a breath of fresh air. And as Kieran says, they can run at you, but they can use the diagonal foot pass as well, which is beautiful to watch and rare to watch. But I'm going to go with Donegal this time. Uh, principally because of the, the, the happenings of this week and, and the home venue. I, I know they were beaten by Monaghan, but that was an oddity, um, mm. a rarity. I'm going to go with Donegal, but th- th- probably against the form line, I know. Okay, well, I'm going to go for him. Uh, I, I backed Derry to win the Ulster Championship, so I think I think any any predictions I make in Ulster decision going to be covered by that. Anyway. I have, yeah, not with money, just with my reputation <laughs> as a <laughs> top football tipster. Um, we 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 haven't time to dwell on the other. <laughs> All right, Wheelow. Uh, <laughs> um, 
we haven't time to dwell on the other game in Ulster, but I will say it is also fascinating, obviously, up in Carrigan Park. Um, another game that had a bit of spice in the uh, in, in the build-up in terms of the venue. Just in a word, lads, who did you see winning this one? Um, Antrim are, you know, ranked higher, but Cavan had a strong league. Wheelow, how did you see it? Uh, I, I think I think home advantage will be critical here. I think Anna McGinley, Stephen O'Neill have Antrim in good shape. Probably not to, you know, could have been in the promotion chase. Armagh or Cavan, on the other hand, you know, lingering in Division Four may not have the matches under their belt at that intensity level. Um, you know, Mickey Graham's there a few years. I just think there's more for Antrim here. I think Antrim will be a surprise and, and get a home victory. Yeah. Okay, uh, Rory. Yeah, I think Antrim uh, as well. I'd go along with that. I think Antrim have a good like just the fact that the home advantage thing is a big thing for them. Um, I think they, I was very unimpressed, I'll be honest, with Cavan in the Division 4 league final, even though they won the game. I actually thought Tipperary were the better side on the day. And um, I'm more from them, you know. Now, they are a very good championship side, generally under Mike, Mickey Graham, and obviously they're also champions from two years ago. They're on, obviously, a good side of the draw if they were to get over this. But no, I do, I give Antrim a, a tight nod. Okay. And yourself, Damien? Yeah, when Antrim lost uh, Ricky Johnson and uh, Oshin Kerr, and like that's that's your fullback and your goalkeeper, and I was, was wondering at that point what was going to happen. But uh, look, I think they've got enough options there on, on the squad. Um, I think Antrim are playing to a higher standard this year, just on league form. I agree with Rory. Cavan were poor in both games against Tipperary. Tip should have won the final. And while Cavan can turn it on in the championship, I'll go for Antrim this time. They, they battle hard for Corrigan Park, a bit like the, the Sligo 20s did last night for Markovich Park, and they have to go and back it up now. Yep. Yeah, I'm being contrary. I'm going to say Cavan are going to win, clearly. Um, okay, we'll move over to Connacht then. Um, the game, well, no, I wouldn't say it's the game of the weekend. I think we've explained precisely why our mad Donegal should have equal billing, but Mayo Galway, mm. you know, it always has a certain je ne sais quoi about it, Rory. And... Um, uh, but some people might argue that uh, the little bit of the air has been let out of the balloon by the fact that they both lost league finals in the build-up, but I, I'm not sure that that really matters too much, does it? I don't think so. Not with not when these two meet. Um, no, I was just looking there this morning. It's their 10th year in a row meeting in the championship, which is extraordinary for two teams playing at that kind of level. Uh, Mayo obviously dominating the fixture over the course of the last decade. No, that's not going to have much bearing. In predominantly terrible games of football. <clears throat> yeah, and like it might not. Now, I've heard some people say that it might be equally cagey as well on Sunday. I'm not so sure if I'd go along with that. I had a chat with Rilo about this before. Losing on Sunday doesn't nearly come with the same level of jeopardy as it used to. I mean, whoever gets beaten, like... Okay, they might end up having to go away to an Armagh or a Donegal in the first round qualifier, but they could equally catch on against Limerick or Cork, you know. So um, I don't think that would exactly, you know, hold too much fear for them. So I think I on that on, on that basis alone, and hopefully a lot of the injuries clear up on both sides of the camp, probably more in on Mayo's side. I think it could be a more open game than we have seen. And um, as I said, if and if injuries do clear up, particularly for Mayo, because there's still a lot of question marks around Paddy Durkin, Oshin Mullen. I think Jordan Flynn is a is a goner completely. Not too sure what the story is with Rob Henley. Dermot O'Connor, I think, is still uh, touch and go. Although apparently he has trained over the last. Dean O'Connor has no match fitness. Yeah, you know. So look, if you if you were picking full strength 15s for both, you'd probably fancy Mayo, and they've got probably got the more experienced manager. 
Um, obviously, home advantage should count for something. And unlike the car curlers, I assume the Mayo footballers will have been given the opportunity to train in Castlebar over the last couple of weeks. Oh. So, yeah, Ooh. I think, look, it's going to be... Uh, yeah, let it go. Let it go, Roy. Let it go. Yeah, but... Um, uh, so... <coughs> Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think it's like I, I I I'm hoping for a very open contest. Let's see what we get. Yeah, that's the thing, Wheeler. You would you look at these two teams. Mayo tend to be involved in exciting matches when they come up against a team of a similar quality to them. It's just the nature of their style of play. Galway are seen as kind of like the great entertainers, whether a lot of that is historical kind of uh, residue, but like they have some of the most exciting footballers in the country, like Conroy, Shane Walsh, etc. Yet when they play each other, there just seems to be like not every game, but like the ones that stick in your mind, they, they don't stick in your mind because they've been awful. It's kind of funny, like style make fights and all that, but it, mm-hmm. they just they work with these two. Yeah, they kind of, they have a tendency to cancel each other. Uh... Listen, I think it's an interesting clash. Uh, Roy touching there. I think that if they're at full strength, I would definitely fancy Mayo because uh, Mayo, Mayo, you know, I, I think a lot has been read into their Crow Park collapse a few weeks ago. And they didn't have that power from the half back line coming forward against Kerry. They're missing too many personnel. It took away from uh, the game that they usually play. Um, but the bus, you know, coming up against Galway, I think Galway to me are. And probably on the flip side, maybe Galway are a little bit coming into this game over. Uh, and and as Galway still have to answer questions for me. Um, I think if you look at Division Two, they had a brilliant game against Derry with a blue a half in a half the blue Derry out of the water. Apart from that, I think the standard within Division Two was a lot lower than what may competing against. Um, I still think they're quite open and vulnerable at the back. Um, they've done no nothing really demonstrates to me that they're ready to take the step to the next level. Sunday might might change that. Um, but like on that basis, I still see Mayo, like a lot depends on the personnel. If they get the to Dermot O'Connor back or they get O'Shane Mullen back, obviously Jordan Flynn is a loss. But if they get a, a decent enough team on the field um, and Mayo play with their high energy and pace, and I think there will be a bit of a kickback following that league final, Mayo will, 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 will have enough like I, I think one of the challenges for Galway and I think like Kevin Walsh used to allude to it and Kevin Walsh took a lot of stick when he was Galway manager but you know he he set them up strong in terms of he talks about lane two three and four and closing down that center mm. fence and he was very successful against Mayo playing that type of game plan and, and it's Mayo don't like coming up against a kind of a system like that and at times um, where if you play man to man with them, apart from Kerry, they'll 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 they'll, they'll put in a high energy game, squeeze the life out of teams. So for me, I think Galway oh, have to tweak it a bit and adapt, um, and maybe learn from the Kerry. Um, but so if Galway tweak it, they have a chance. How do you see it going, Damien? Yeah, look, I I think uh, um, Kieran summarised it brilliantly there, Mikey. I look forward to hearing that back. Uh, but the, the, there's a few points I'd like to make. The what what Kieran was saying about Kevin Walsh and and the, the grids he uses across the field. He did a great job. He set Galway up very defensively, and he got he got panned for it because Galway are the kicking kings of Gaelic football traditionally. Uh, the challenge now is to in that period you had Shane Walsh and Damien Comer back behind their own halfway line too often in my opinion and I know Shane Walsh can strike from deep as well but the challenge is to get that set up right at the back but have that potent threat up front as well I'd imagine Parry Cahora will take um, 
will, will take Homer. And I think Paul Conroy would be marshaled by Matty Ruan. From there, then, it comes down to who's fit and, and who's not. Uh, in my information, anyway, Brendan Harrison is gone. David McBride is gone. Uh, Jordan Finn is gone. And Fionn McDonough, he could be under pressure, too. Uh, Rob Henley is under pressure. Or McLaughlin is under pressure. And Brian Walsh is under pressure. Obviously, Tommy Conroy's gone for, from early doors. That's a huge one. Uh, on the plus side, this is where the game will hinge, in my opinion. Uh, if the likes of Paddy Durkin can get back in, it would be huge. Uh, if Oshin Mullen and Dermot Conroy can get back in, it would be massive as well. Uh, I would feel at home, uh, in on the new surface, which they got to have a training camp on uh, very recently, they had a whole weekend there, I would think that Mayo simply play to a higher level. Um, and if they have enough... Uh, first choice players on the field uh, they should be able for Galway Okay Rory are you yeah. also tipping my tip yeah. for the All-Ireland to lose? Yeah no I think Mayo I think <laughs> I, I do I think if Mayo can get even half to the personnel on the field I think they'll win the game but the one thing about Shane Walsh though for me right and look I know we don't have time to get into it here like he's an incredible footballer you know inside of the foot outside of the foot left foot right foot some amazing skills control it double hot or you know this dummy hop all that has he ever actually dominated a game, you know, in the way that like Clifford just goes out and says, look, I'm just going to take over here and I'm going to rack up two six and I'm going to kill the game dead. Or, you know, like in the way Michael Donnellan may have for Galway in the past or way of Park Joyce. I mean, we've seen loads of flashes of brilliance from Shane Walsh throughout his career. Has he, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, has he delivered on that potential? He's definitely become more of a team player over the past couple of seasons. And I, I feel too that... Um, at the start, like he was probably going for his own score, he put huge pressure on himself. I would imagine um, to, to 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 demonstrate that he could do the job for Galway. Caught between a couple of systems there as well. Yeah, really. that's true. And, that is true. You know, yeah. and and maybe now I suppose yeah. This day, I still have him down as being a kid, to be honest with you. And, and twenty eight, I suppose. Yeah, you have to be doing probably a, a, a certain consistent standard every single week. But I know he was. Uh, I know he was taken out of it as well. Probably, uh, you know. Quite yeah, dangerously last year, but anyway. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay, just very briefly then, uh, everyone knows the, the love I give the Leinster Football Championship on this podcast. Louder playing Carlo, Wexford are playing Offaly, Wicklow are playing Leash. Um, anybody disagree with me saying that we're going to get a win for Loud, a win for Offaly, and a win for, uh, I'm going to oh. say Wicklow. <laughs> I'm, I would. I disagree with you, Mikey. I think Wexford will be, I think Wexford at home, I think Offaly have a good few injuries by all accounts. Yeah, I I give I give Wexford a really really good chance there. They're like Wexford, I know they had a terrible league, but they always produce. Look look what they did to Dublin last year in the championship. It's the best team that we've ever seen. I know I know maybe a team they, they away, only had they only lost three. You're Rory, you're right in the way they're, they lost three games very narrowly in the league, and awfully are a little bit upset at the minute. I would say, and I think there is a chance there for sure. Big if you're playing yeah. the league, if you're playing the league form, it's going to be awfully, but uh, it could throw up something new there. Um, yeah. I, I think that uh, Shane Roach would, would be happy enough with, with what he has to work with, despite the results not going great for him. Wexford's yeah. the only one I would see maybe not going to form. Well, Car- Carlo would struggle with the SNC. Like they have a brand new squad, really. 15 players got their debut at least in the league, I think. And the, the SNC of Laos, they'll, they'll tuck in, they'll counter attack at pace. I'd imagine there'd be a couple of levels uh, above that. Um, the, the leash game would be interesting. Um, but look, who I think. Leash and Wicklow. Sorry, it's a. It, it is Leash and Wicklow, isn't mm-hmm. it? Correct. And yeah. I think Wicklow obviously changed their, their management team, uh, but Billy Sheen will be probably unhappy with the league in, in a few results. But they could have gone differently. It wouldn't have taken a whole lot to switch that. So that'll be a fascinating game. That's 
that's probably up for us as well. But you'd imagine Leash would pull through, yeah. and you'd imagine uh, Wexford could give Offaly a shock. That could be the one to watch. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the winners and the winners of Wexford Offaly get the grand old prize yeah. of six Dublin. days later to play yeah. Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, 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 the build-up to the Wicklow game has been interesting. As I don't know if you saw this, um, there's a bit of confusion around their senior football championship draw um, when uh, Donard Glenn were given a bye into the second round when it should have been the uh, four semi-finalists. And uh, so poor old Rathnew, Rathnew, who, you know, would be pretty serious about their football would be one way of putting it uh right you were overlooked as last year's semi-finalist so they've had to redo yeah they've had to redo the championship draw because they uh put the wrong four teams into the uh in 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 with a bye so that was interesting i'd say i can imagine a few phone calls pinging around now after that one um okay i think we've sorted all that out now um Wexford are going to win. That's good news. I can't see it myself, but uh, my, my, uh, all my optimism is expended on hurling. Uh, the poor footballers get the pez, the, the half glass empty side of me. Uh, Willow and Damien, we're going to let you guys go, and we will bring in our hurling men in a couple of moments. Good luck. Thanks, lads. Welcome back. Uh, time to talk hurling with Anthony Daly and Dennis Walsh of the Sunday Times. How are you doing, gents? Good, Mike. Good, Good stuff. Um, we spent the start. We spent started the football show discussing disciplinary matters. So we'll get on to Tommy Dunn later. I don't want to don't want to start to hurl him with disciplinary matters as well. But but, but we'll get there now when we're talking about uh, to be clear. But um, I I think the only place to uh start really, uh, Dennis is in Gaelic grounds on Saturday night, Limerick v Waterford. Um, in many people's minds, this could be the first of three championship meetings between these two teams. So um. I think Jackie Tyrrell mentioned here on Tuesday. Do you, if if you're Liam Cahill, do you show your best hand on Saturday night, or do you keep something in reserve? Well, that's the thing. Like that's the kind of uh, quandary now. For I mean, people talk about the league being kind of shadow boxing. Like there's an element now in the in the provincial round robin that um, it's almost as if once you qualified for the All Ireland series, do you really want to be in the provincial final? This kind of stuff. I mean, Limerick had this issue a couple of years ago where they they lost a tip and in, in Turles and didn't play their best 15 maybe and people were saying Cricky are, are they ducking and diving are they trying to get in as a third place team I mean this thing has been going around for weeks that Limerick would prefer to qualify from Munster as a third place team not have the month off have a couple of other games to play um, they've all the players to do it so you kind of wonder yeah it'll be really interesting to see you know what level of intensity now the only thing I would say and Cricky Anthony Anthony would know far better as a, as a manager himself but like how many times can Warford afford to lose to Limerick you know like um, they've had a few a good few bangs in the head already last couple of years they went you know ball header from uh three times in championships since 2020 since Ian Carroll came in and like they need to beat them when when Limerick can't come back you know so yeah it'll be interesting to see but like Warford definitely can't afford to go up there and get a hiding either or you know have some kind of a dispiriting demoralizing experience so it'll be fascinating like it'll be a, you know there'll be a massive crowd Limerick won't be can't afford to be holding back. I don't think you know. So yeah, it's interesting. Like it's there, there's so many different dynamics with the wrong Robin than we would have expected at, when 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 this thing was was first introduced. Yeah, the the last two championship defeats Dalo have been by eleven points. Uh, so there's symmetry there. But I, I I think playing playing their full strength team and with the experience they've gained in the last two years, we may still think Limerick are the favourites, but are, are they 11-point favourites at this stage now? Has that been a bit unfair to Waterford? Surely, we, we've seen improvement in Waterford in the last few months, however much stake or stock we want to put in the league. 
Yeah, and do you know the other thing with that there, Mike, as well, is that I suppose in the back of my mind anyway, I'd have seen that kind of Watford nearly gave Limerick the most to think about over the last couple of years. Okay, there was a couple of other games like the Galway semi-final and that, but that they did give him a good rattle, particularly that Munster final in Turles when the place was empty and we were there and we were kind of just lucky to be there, obviously, on the day. But um, you could see the Watford were building something really strong and yet Limerick have gone on then to win the next, those two All-Irelands beating them again in the final. So, yeah, I think it's a more important game for Liam Cahill and his men. I think Dennis's point there that, you know, do they, they have to beat Limerick at some stage. And I think Kylie will have, you see, he has gone to Cork as well and won. Like Waterford have won a home game that kind of people expected him to win. There was a few questions about Limerick's league form and all that, like, where were they? Would they know on the basis of a few challenge matches or in-house matches? And I suppose they emphatically answered most of those questions uh, last Sunday. So, there's probably a little bit more pressure on Waterford to come up and deliver and keep the trajectory on the upward curve and to keep that, you know, they've won the league. <clears throat> Why can't you go and win every game, win the Munster title? And um, I think Liam would like to keep that going. So I, I think they might be even hungrier. Limerick will be down Kyle Hayes now, most de- probably, definitely, when you come off with a, a twinge like and a hamstring like that, you're probably not going to be playing six days later. But so and Jamie Flanagan won't be ready obviously so I don't know I just have a feeling it might take on a life of its own then in the back of my mind as well that you're there in the Gaelic grounds all the home support they haven't seen them playing championships or since we got rid of their own Robin and Limerick and it could, the buzz can take over as well players and, and they're very familiar with each other so hopefully it bubbles up and, and it, it really turns in a cracker and I, I definitely think Mike they'll meet at least twice in the year anyway if not if not the third time yeah yeah and, and Rory the Walford, you kind of say, should they go hell for them? They, they, they can afford to, to an extent, because we've been banging on about it all spring, the, the squad depth they have, like, you know, the option to to start Jamie Barron and Austin Gleeson this Saturday night, if they fancy, that's that's not, there's two reasonable changes to be able to make to your 15 for a start, if you want to rotate a little bit. Yeah, and, and Dave, you might see a little bit of rotate, like, I, you're nearly, there's n- <laughs> Not to be borrowing a phrase from another sport or an example from another sport, but there is a sense of Liverpool v Man City in the FA Cup semi-final with this and that, like it's a precursor to probably a more important clash maybe down the line that they could meet again with, you know, and that's why I, given the frenetic nature, I know the following week there's a bit of a break for teams, so that's where management does come into it um trying to manage this i mean look at what limerick as we have seen have ma- like we, we all questioned their form last year in the league they timed their run brilliantly and then they got into the championship and no one laid a glove looks like they've done the exact same again this time round they more or less discarded the league again and decided right we're going to put all our eggs into the one basket and we saw the response they gave last Sunday. Um, so I think if Kyle Hayes falls out, if you know, if 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 Jamie Barron comes in, if Aston Gleeson comes in, I still I still think we'll get a good get a good contest. The one thing that um that is noticeable uh, for both sides is there's a distinct lack of goals when they have met over the last two years. Anyway, I think there's only one goal scored in their last three championship meetings, which is very unusual. Yeah, that's true. Now, given Waterford's propensity for goals at the minute and their ability to get them, I think that could be a key factor on Sunday uh, or Saturday night, sorry. And um, 
I think Dennis's point is well made in that at some point Watford are probably going to have to say to themselves, look, if we're actually going to engage these guys in a proper rivalry, we're going to have to get over the line at some point against them to try and just at least um, introduce some level of parity into in, in, into a, a so-called rivalry. And it, it's a good opportunity. I think there's, there is, I don't think there's the same level of pressure on them that there was going into last Sunday. I think the, the I do believe that there was a, a level of pressure on them last Sunday in, in Tipperary because they were expected to win. Waterford don't beat Tipperary that often in the championship. So for them to win as favourites, I thought brought a little bit of baggage, which I think probably invested itself to a certain degree in the tentative nature of their first half display, certainly. And I think that that pressure's off to a certain degree. You know, they'll, they will believe that they're better than the two teams that are left, which is Clare and Cork. And um, is it a free shot? Maybe it is, you know, but at some point, I think it is It is the case that they are going to have to push back and maybe Saturday is the chance to do it. Yeah, let's, let's say they go for Dennis, which we hope they will. They will go for it. Some said they're not going to throw the game, but like if they, if they are going to say, as you say, put down the statement win, Waterford gave, gave, gave Limerick the roadmap, shall we say, against Cork in the, in the league final. How they managed, we've discussed it obviously at length, they, 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 they targeted the centre of the Cork defence. Where I think like most people would does. argue you could uh, you could land a seven four seven, um, and that's what they did. They ran the ball. They scored five goals. That's brilliant. That won't work against Limerick. So everybody's question is, you know, Limerick have one way of playing, and it's brilliant, and it it, it it's your Swiss Army knife because it works against everybody. Waterford obviously had one way of playing against Cork, which is probably not going to be their approach against Limerick. So they have to change things up. We don't doubt that they have the personnel and the manager to do that. So it's just going to be intriguing to see what their approach is, I suppose. Yeah, um Mr. O'Connor, a colleague of mine and a Delos colleague and friend as well, um, worked out that Waterford, by his reckoning, created 14 goal scoring chances against Limerick over the course of a couple of I mean maybe the three championship matches and just didn't take them. But like they, they did actually create the chances. So they're probably this season they've been more clinical and more ruthless in their execution. So if they were able to create those chances against Limerick in, on days when they were well beaten, um, you can imagine that they're trying to get to the next level and create the chances and take them. No, obviously that's easier said than done. I actually watched the game last Sunday from the city and in the park, rolling under the press box, and um, like uh, even the Shane Barrett chance, like which was a brilliant save by Nicky Quaid. Jesus, he was under such pressure hitting that ball. Really, like like it was a super first touch, and still like. He was under pressure hitting the flipping mm. thing. And Still created a few though, Dennis. Like Jack O'Connor's and the block before yeah. half time. Yeah. And I thought there was I thought there was maybe two other chances in the second half the Cork playing towards the city end where if they had a, a bit if they had played an extra pass that there was a that there was a goal chance mm-hmm. on that they just took a took a point when it was on and uh, either had the confidence or the the kind of rootlessness to play the chance to extra pass. Now Warford have a different mentality and they've Different kind of different kind of forwards too. Guys with more power and, and break a tackle or not not afraid to take on. Like when you see some of the confidence being spun around, like John Melrick, who was really game now and did his level best. Not the most powerful guy in the world. Two or three times he tried to break tackles and was spun around. Like Watford have guys who can potentially potentially at least break those tackles. So um, yeah, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Waterford in, the, in that most of final in twenty twenty, the one the one that Dale was talking about there behind closed doors. Limerick had one shot for a goal in the whole match. It wasn't even undermined scoring goals. Mm. Scoring goals are much more undermined now. Like this will not be a no goal game, in my opinion. Like there will be goals in this game on Saturday night. And I'd say, yeah. Mike, on, on that as well, like that there is a change in the Limerick, like 
saying Limerick played the same way. Like there's a lot of subtleties I'm seeing anyway that Mr. Kinnerk is tweaking. Have you ever seen Declan Hannan up the pitch as often? Mm. Have you ever seen Barry Nash as as advanced as he is? There's there's subtle little changes coming in there the whole time. And for me, the huge thing with Limerick was the performance of the midfield. Like the midfield just rolled back to last year because they had no form really from the league, either of them. Um, and and I just think if, if Tom Morrissey can be- get back to his best and, and Flanagan and Kyle get back involved, it's just that he's tweaked a few things. But if, the, if, if Tom Morrissey can get back to his best and the two are fit, the options they have are frightening again. Yeah, absolutely. And and a word you mentioned, just a word, Dalo, on the importance of the goalkeepers and, and Nicky Quaid in particular, who um, often a goalkeeper playing in a dominant team, you know, doesn't always get his dues, but hurling is obviously different and, and there are chances. Granted, they might be snapshots, you mightn't have a lot of time, but his his show reel over the last couple of years when he has had to fit like he, he's pulling off saves now that you know the great goalkeepers of the 90s were lauded and are still talked about to this day for kind of this kind of stuff and quaid i'm not saying he doesn't get his dues he does but his importance to this team the security he brings it can't be underestimated yeah and there's been so many references uh mike to, to declan hennon is the kind of quarterback as now to bring in another sport again yeah. um but like really it's nicky quaid like <clears throat> There's a bit of an argument that who's the best shot stopper in the country, himself or Murph. You know, they're two brilliant. You know, never be say the ball is in the net with the two of them. And yet, I think Nicky probably shades it on his distribution. Like, I mean, he's just so adept. Like, but I believe, look, there's no real um the goalkeeping coach is the oh god, why is his name escaped me now? From former goalie from Adair. Timmy Holland. Yeah, Timmy. I believe like himself and Timmy are inside in the Gaelic grounds a quarter past five every evening, <laughs> like before training and, you know, staying back afterwards. And, and like that link up play he has with the half forward line and the way he can ping, like Gerard Hagerty's a great fetcher of the ball and was the touch was back totally in, in sync, like obviously that Sunday, but the trajectory of the ball and the size of Hagel and he's reaching out, like it's nearly impossible for the wing back. And that's what Quaid brings you, like his delivery is just absolutely top class and He's so experienced now as well. He's the perfect guy to have. Mm. Say if you ask Mike Casey, who was really playing his first big game since the 2019 semi-final, who yeah. do you want behind him? Say, Mike, he's there, Nicky. Nicky's there, Nicky. Nicky, keep me in check. And, you know, I'd say that, like, he's a massive leader for... For me, he's like he's like Kylie's on-game leader. Like, you know, on-field, you know, general, if you like, mm. right there watching, observing, watching, and, and keeping them all in check. Yeah, and Delo, Delo, the last time they met was the bales ahead. Eh? Like, was that you? Is it true that you were the fella driving the truck? No. Well, I'll tell you one thing. With me driving the truck was one thing, but uh, me sitting down, my, minding my own business, watching the All Ireland semi final with a, a jack and whatever they call them uh, hoodie that one of the girls had brought back from Spain for me, and getting the phone call, which happened to have a union jack that I didn't even know was on it, threw it on me over a t-shirt. Taxi to the match, might yeah. have a pint or two, get a phone call in for you, say, Dilo, where are you? <laughs> I need you. I'm here in the Cusack. Are you 40 right. minutes filling? Get time. over here. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> the abuse I got on Twitter over the Union Jack today, the All Ireland semi final. Something else that was getting a lot of abuse over the weekend, Dennis, and it'll be interesting to see how often we see it this weekend, is the um, is, is giving up the puck out. As we say, uh, you know, Wexford did it quite a lot against Galway. Um, and as we were just outlining the skills of hurling goalkeepers today, it seems 
utterly nonsensical to give the likes of of, of Nicky Quaid or uh, a Mark Fanning or anybody else an extra 30 yards of range for a pinpoint pass. It, it just, I don't know whether it was down to the first weekend of the championship and they hadn't quite figured, like, it just, to me, seems like a nonsensical tactic, full stop. Yeah, yeah. And like, as look, as Dilla was pointing out, um, Nicky Quaid like, really is... He's, he's so fundamental to the way Limerick play. Now, the, the only thing, I, one other thing I would say about that, though, like, and it was a bit like Kenny when they had three monsters in their half forward line and didn't matter where the puck out landed. There was an element of that with Nicky Quaid. I would love to see Nicky Quaid walking with the cock half forward line mm. and trying to find, trying to <laughs> find a target. You know, no, seriously, you know what I mean? So it's like Nicky Quaid, if nothing is on, he knows he can put the ball in his zone. And what, like, what often happens with Limerick is, Morrissey and Hegarty are both will both be in the same place under a puck out. So, and if a ball hits the ground, they they're going to win it. But what would Nicky do with trying to find someone in the cock half forward line to make a kind of a, a connection and to make a, 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 a you know a puck out win? Like I was at the game in, in on uh, on Saturday night in Wexford Park, and like what what I did find interesting actually, and I don't know I didn't see much of it on the, I didn't see all the Sunday games Sunday night, but what was interesting I thought was. Uh, the variety in Galway's play in terms of long and short like mm. <laughs> given Henry's background Henry wouldn't be I imagine in favour of all his short hand passes and quick chance fours and running off the shoulder there was plenty of ball that went in long and diagonal and the guy was expecting it and it was kind of it was well choreographed but it was long ball at the same time and there was just a nice variety about it I thought and uh, like Glimmer kept that as well they have all the variety and they don't have to go short they don't have to go long it's whatever whatever is on yeah, he regularly 100%. finds Glenn with puck outs, like Glenn yeah. make that thirty yard dart, and, and and they'll leave the space, and yeah, yeah. Just get your thoughts on the on the conceding the puck out, Dale. Where are you on it? Yeah, I suppose it's you have to you have to um, serve your um, your de- destination as best you possibly can. So for some teams, like like Cork, were doing it, but your Limerick were shoved up on them and. Patrick Collins just had nowhere to go. Like that, that was the reality of it. He went long, it was coming back at him. He went short, they were they were turned back. He had to go back, they had to go back to him again, and then he had to puck it long. And like the second goal, like you could say, came from twice. Uh, Tim O'Mahony and Sean O'Donoghue looked up the field. And honestly, Mikey, there was no movement, mm. there was no space. And they tried, you know, Mahoney went back to Donoghue. Donoghue looked up. I could clearly see you right in front of the box where we were. Don't know who looked up, and then he said, "I better try and go shorter route." So that was intercepted. He's gone from Galen. Kyle gets it, gives it inside second goal. So, look, yeah, it's, it is a problem for Cork, and it'll be a problem for a lot of teams. And even we'll get onto it. I know in a minute that where Clare play Peter Duggan, you know, and 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 will will John Condon, and he probably obviously will be centre back, where we could have maybe if we had a more recognised centre back, which we have in Conor Cleary, but we probably don't have a full back <laughs> then. So. Where Connor can't play three and six, so probably John Conlon will be six. But if we had, we could have Peter Duggan on one wing and John Conlon on the other wing. And now there's a lovely luxury for Ever Quilligan to be able to do. But the, will the makeup be such that we might have Peter Duggan on one wing and maybe a Tony Kelly moving from the centre? So that's I think it's very much down to what you have to shoot at as well with short puck outs. Long, but yeah. you have to vary it anyway, Mike. That was admirable shoehorning a Claire in before we officially get to them. But congratulations, Dale. Okay. Before before we it's do move bet. on to that it's game, because it's very it is an intriguing game. I'll just quickly get your predictions then. Rory, how do you see Saturday evening going? Limerick at home. They're back to their best. Uh picked them to win Munster. I think they'll win again. Dennis? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think Limerick will win. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anthony. Sneak, sneaky fiver on the draw, Mikey. And I'm I'm being I always would call out these ones now, but yeah. I just think I just don't know if it'd be that you know, rip roaring and uh, might, as I said earlier, it might just take on a life of its own because there, there's a fair rivalry building up between these two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I I like to be stupid with my predictions, but I find it very hard to bet to, to bet against a home win here as well. Um okay, so on to matters of Semple Stadium then. Um Dale, I think what what's interesting a lot of people from outside is the return of the fifth Beatle, who supposedly has bulked up a lot. Shane O'Donnell, he's um his year out with uh, concussion problems. Uh, he's he spent a lot of it in the gym. Um, and for those of us who haven't seen this transformation, it it, it sounds intriguing. You know, the nippy, elusive inside, you know, corner forward who's um you know who's going to be a bit more of a target man, a bit more of a, a of a bullet a bear on the square, is he? Well, look, I mean. Uh, obviously, since he first broke onto the scene nine years ago, the guy has bulked up every year. Like, and, mm. and you saw some of the tackles he put in over the last few years. So, I mean, probably the reason he got the concussion is he's, he's as brave as a line. Like, he he just put his body on the line. And yeah, I haven't seen him. I haven't met him like or anything like that. And we will not like trying to find out about inter county teams at the moment. It's just like uh, it'd be easier break. <laughs> in and out of Alcatraz uh, <laughs> at the moment like so I, I can't get word talk is that he's he's hurling is really sharp um, no that'll be just adjudicated on on Sunday 2 o'clock though <laughs> you can be all this sharp against Galway in a challenge match and in-house games and O'Donnell's touch is very good and yeah yeah seemingly as is a bit stronger but it'll be all don't just judged on Sunday and then like if it doesn't go well and clear lose it'll be how could you pick him after only coming back into the panel five or six weeks earlier? And but if it goes well, sure, well done, Brian. You let him stay in Dublin there for a few months. He freshened up. He got the. He, he just what you know. He give you everything, of course, and he'll be his game. He'll need a break or two. Uh, but I'd never like to be a defender, Mark, and a Shane O'Donnell type player anyway, Mike. He's just he's in your face, and he also has nothing in his head, only a green flag. Yeah, uh, Dennis, it would it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be like the Clare hurling public to 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 second guess a manager, would it? No. <laughs> Just on that point, before I forget, there is one top hurling county at the moment whose sessions are open. Oh yeah, but I'll tell you until I get in first. There is one top. There is, there is there is one top team that you can just walk in, and it's fantastic. And anyway. Tease. Um, what was the question again about? Who are they playing? The John McDonough? No, no, they're not playing John McDonough. They're not playing John McDonough. Absolutely not. The dogs. Top team. Well, maybe they know, but I haven't heard. I never. In my six years, Dennis, I never got to lock the gate. I was hoping a few would come in. That's a fact. Never ever did we lock the gate. <laughs> Honestly, we could be down in Round Towers, we could be out in um, Castleknock, Carnell would be wide open. They don't put in a sandwich board trying to One get them in. Dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't really have a question for you there, Dennis, but I do now. The question would be, um, I suppose, Claire, uh, the luxury, we mentioned it on Tuesday here, they have the luxury of coming in, you know, seven, six days after everybody else. And, um, you know, they've seen they've seen what Tip have to offer and um, they might have been unpleasantly surprised given the, the showing that, that, that Tipperary did put up in Watford. Um, and I, I would argue that Clare are something of an unknown quantity. I, it, it's hard to kind of nail them down during the league, I would say. And, you know, they've obviously got a, a significant uh, personnel to come in as well since the league. So the, the, it, it's hard to know what we're going to get from Clare, but um, the fact that they're going under a radar would suit them, you'd imagine. Absolutely. And um Kieran Shannon made a good point uh, on Tuesday that, that they were able to come in and 
you know, last year against Warford, first round, hit the ground running. So, you know, they didn't need to get warmed up with round robin games or anything. They were flying straight away. So, um, but Brian Lohan's an experienced guy. He's been, he's been around the scene a long time between Fiskibbon and the whole lot. He's well able to get guys ready. Like, I, uh, like, you know, I would expect to see, uh, you know, a stronger, clear lineup for for Sunday than any, at any time during the league or probably at any time last year. Like, given the players that, you know, that they're missing last year. Um, Look, I think it's fascinating. I mean, Tipperary probably surprised all of us a bit last Sunday. They probably surprised themselves. I was talking to one guy yesterday from Tip who said they were much happier coming home than they were going down, even though they were beaten. So, like, they weren't expecting anything and uh, they got more than they expected. So, uh, look, it's fascinating. It's just another game in this round, Robin, that is it's so hard to call and you're probably better off having a fiver on the ground in the all tomorrow night than trying to work out these games, you know. So, um, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just something to look forward to. Yeah, it is, it is. It's a tough one to call, Rory. And um, I suppose that we we had our disciplinary issues with talking about the football, and we have one in the hurling. And it's uh, uh, Tommy Dunn, the Tipperary coach, has had a three month ban proposed. We understand for uh, altercation with the referee at at halftime um, of the of the defeat to Watford, which would mean he would be he wouldn't be able to be involved in training or matches until the date of the All Ireland final, where Tipperary to make it if a three month ban was actually held up. Like how everybody in the Donegal Armagh situation that wanted to get off got off for what the incident that happened there, and for Tommy Dunn who, look, I don't really know Tommy. I've met him on a couple of occasions. He was in as a special guest on two occasions on the Sunday game, and I had the pleasure to meet him on those. So, uh, But I wouldn't really know him intimately. But my experiences of him then is he's one of them. He was a pretty mild-mannered, amiable gentleman, really, like in, in, all, in, in all dealings. And it just, I know this may be an old hackneyed old cliche that it would seem out of character, whatever language that he may have used. I'd be shocked if it was, you know, to the extent that it merits or deserves three months. I mean, I think he was probably within his rights to question the decision in around the 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 strike by Mikey Kiley, whether it was there was intent or not. For him to get upset about it, I think she probably showed that certainly in his head that there there was um that the, he had some justification for approaching the ref about it what he might have said we don't know i just think three months suspension for for that given the fact that everybody in donegal and Armagh have pretty much gotten off bar the tool has that accepted it i mean like what are we what are we at here yeah I mean, it's me i don't know it doesn't make it makes no sense to me. yeah and uh, we obviously we don't know the the details on this, um, as is the want of the GA disciplinary matters are usually pretty grey. I'd be ringing uh, before, Tommy, during, and I, after. Yeah, but if if I was Tommy, Mikey, I'd be ringing uh, the Armagh County Board and finding <laughs> out who their legal team was. Anyway, like you know, all fifty years old. How's Frank fixed? He's not in good form. Dalo, um, like getting in the ear of the officials is it, kind of part of the job for people at managers and backroom team and I suppose you again would know better than any of us here the line and where it is and what can't be crossed um but this is very unusual to hear that a three-month ban is being proposed is it's it's not off the charts but it's very unusual yeah Mike I I'm kind of in shock myself um I'm not going to deny here Tommy Dunn is a friend of mine um I 
I couldn't. I put, we were down in Cork in the studio, obviously, analysing the game. We see Tommy gets a, a yellow and a, and a red coming out. So I said, obviously, there was a, some bit of verbals. Don't know. Can't believe like that this probably thought of one game, you know, just didn't descend. Mm. Um, I, look, I marked Tommy Dunn for four or five years, I'd say. We had pl- good, pleasant exchanges. Uh, <laughs> good, great hurler, uh, really clean player. Could mix it with you, no bother. Um, I managed against him when he was with Declan Ryan. Um, he came up and coached Clarecastle, my club, for a year. And then he was with me in 13 and 14 when Dublin won the Leinster title as a coach. Uh, beside me on the line, Mike, for me, as long as I'd known Tommy on a sideline, this would be completely out of character for the man. Okay, obviously, he's a passionate Tipperary man and would be questioning, like when he saw blood streaming down Seamus Kennedy's face, I'd say he would be questioning what why was there no uh, inquiry with the umpires or stuff like that uh, on the issue? But I, I'd be shocked if Tommy said something that warranted three months. To be honest with you, that's I would be. It's one word against another. You know that tunnel in Walsh Park as you go in there underground. I've often wondered how fellas have come out the other side of it. So, <laughs> like, fellas could be shouting at each other going in that tunnel. And I've been in that situation with, with clear teams and Dublin teams and indeed club teams. And you wouldn't know who's saying what to you. So I don't know if it was Johnny Murphy will have his own version of this and we'll have to wait for that, I suppose. Um, but I'd, I'd say Tommy would be distraught. Like Tommy, just that'd be completely out of character for Tommy for me. He could be called as a character witness. He could be up in Crow Park Hotel yet, though. He could be a character witness. I'd say you could call half the country for a character witness for Tommy Dunn. Just on, and, and I, I just, I mean, look, I'm just on the matter of officials. I mean, I know, like, Look, I know Dalo might necessarily agree after the 2013 semi-final. I would obviously have um, a different view. I think James Owens is a, a, fine, a, fan, a fine referee. I think uh, the, the Cajones on him to make the hard call in that 2019 final when Richie Hogan should have been sent off and was. I think that took incredible uh, that took incredible mental strength to do to do that because that's not an easy thing to do to send a lad off in an All Ireland final. Um, but I did find the appointment an odd one. Like, did they really need to put him like back into the very fixture that caused such a furore last year? I do not understand that appointment at all. There's a hundred million matches on this weekend. They could have appointed four or five different referees to this fixture, yet they put James Owens back into the very one. That caused so much hassle. I, I just thought that was an odd one. What do you think? It, it is a little bit odd, Dennis, is it? To, to put James Owens there, he was following the letter of the, the, the law, supposedly. Um, but like it was, it was the, it was the, what, ver- it, what, it was, Mike? Uh, huh? What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Nearer to Limerick Road, is it? <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, to say it was within the parameters, but it was. It, but in the end, it, you know, it was the it was the ruling that kind of well, made it, an it just caused the all. imaginary line now halfway between the post and the corner yeah. flag, at least. Ruling yeah, exactly. So like it, Dennis, it, but, but I'm sure James would be water off his ducks back. He don't become an intercounty referee and stay one for so long without not really being too bothered, I suppose, by the two teams that you're officiating. Yeah, the, James Owens now has been around at the top level for a long time. I honestly believed his career as an elite referee was over when he failed to send off Austin Gleeson in the Ireland Supreme Final in 2017 when Austin Gleeson, Gleeson clearly pulled the helmet off a cock player and that was a straight red card offence at the time and other players had been sent off for interference at helmets and masks and so on including um, 
Clash Collins, I think maybe a year earlier or whatever, in a in a in a, in a game in Ennis, a Clare Bexford game, and when when he didn't make that call at the time, and when he was invited forcibly, well, no, no, I must say forcibly, when it, when he was given one or two opportunities afterwards to reflect uh, by Crow Park on his decision, and he stuck with his original decision. And, you know, everyone's thrilled to see Gleeson playing the final and so on and so forth, but that's not the point. The point is, he didn't make that call. Now, they obviously had a lot of confidence in him as, a, as an elite referee. They're not overburdened with guys of the required standard. It's the same guys that keep on getting uh, appointed to the big games, and he's one of them. And there's literally two or three that keep on getting appointed to the big games. So they, they actually need, what Crow, the G and Crow Park need someone like Owens not to fail because they have so few options and they need they need guys like him to be strong and they need guys like him to perform on big days. So I would say, to be honest, they would have had no compunction about appointment. They have such confidence. They have such confidence in Owens as an elite referee that they would expect him to handle this. And uh, to be honest, I would too, because I thought he was finished. Five years ago, I thought he was finished. I did not think he would come back or that they would have him back after making such a bad call in that other final in 2017. And as Rory pointed out, that was an incredibly brave call in the 29th. Well, he did the right thing in, in the 2019 mm. Ireland final. And we can all we can all think of other incidents over the years where referees took the path took the path of least resistance rather than making the call that 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 they had to make. Yeah, that's true. Um so the all that swirling around Dalo, um your crowd quite like a trip to Thurless. How do you see it going? I think we've a good chance. Um I'd nearly rather Mike like you're saying, someone said it anyway amongst the three V that tip tip supporters were pleasantly surprised and all that, you know, with the trip to Waterford. And I'd say like Colin Bonner and and uh, Tommy and etc. would have been nearly insulted with that attitude. They went down there to win that game and showed in the performance. And they gave all, and I'm nearly preferring that that did they did give all and clear got a good look at what they're potentially, you know, the likes of the Marcos. You know the likes of the the Craig Morgans, the the Dylan Quirks, all these guys. They're they're great players. They have minor all Ireland's, twenty all Ireland's, twenty one all Ireland's, and the clear are under no illusion now. You know that the tipper are if they were beating twelve or thirteen points in a one sided game, that all of a sudden clear would be kind of hot, well not hot favourites but favourites maybe. So I think it's good for Clare in actual fact that we're going in now that we know that this crowd like Noel McGrath, his form. Again, last week, Clare have to get an absolute handle on all these guys. So I just think Clare are more settled than people think. You know, uh, Aidan McCarthy is a terrible loss. I would have said nearly the second worst loss to Tony Kelly would be Aidan McCarthy after last year because, for me, he had really found his feet at that level and, and top, top-class player. And he's an awful loss. On the positive side of it, Dermot Ryan is back and he's he's huge for us as well, the right half-back. And like you could have picked the goalie in five of the backs straight away and it's probably it's probably a straight shootout for left half back between Jack Brown or David McInerney I'd say so then when you look at the forwards like O'Donnell will probably play Duggan will play Ryan Taylor will play um, Kelly will obviously play is Mark uh, Rogers so fit? Mark Rogers is out so he'll be back alright but he's out for this one but like you can feel you know uh, Jason McCarthy will play David Fitzgerald will probably play so not, you know, will it be Ian Galvin? Will it be Shane Meehan? I'd say for the last spot. So, and young Meehan has shown great form in the league and played well in the 20s match, carrying a bit of an eagle. And young Galvin, obviously, is a fine player now at this stage, at this level, and scored the goal that beat Tip three years ago, was it? 
for, for, for the first time ever in championship hurling down there. So clear or not as uh, an unknown quantity, Mikey, as you're mm. making out anyway. So yeah, I, I give Clare a big chance. I just meant more in terms of the the return. You know, there's a few personnel coming back in, which obviously have an oh, yeah, impact. But we know league. them. You know, like Dougie yeah. was away and COVID came, and mm. how sharp is Dougie still? You know, he's coming on for bits and pieces. Seemingly played very well in a, a challenge match against Galway, but again, I can't find out any proper details about that. But I imagine he'll play whether he'd play full or play wing is the question there. And, and I, if I was ever Culligan, I'd like him on the wing. But maybe Brian might like him on the edge of the square as well. James Quigley acquitted himself very well at fullback for, for tip last week uh, on Stephen Bennett, but Peter Duggan is a different kind of a quandary then, you know, it's the yeah. big Fletcher and a power man as opposed to Bennett, all slick, all touch, all, all movement, you know, and, and so he might want to pose that question for a, a rookie enough fullback still, albeit that he's he, the Kiladangan man is a good, he's a good bit of stuff now. Yeah. That. So Who's going to win it, Dela? I think Claire might win it, yeah. Yeah. I think we have a chance, yeah. Okay. Dennis? Um, I fancy tip marginally, but um, I wouldn't. I'd be more inclined. To, I'd be more inclined to back the draw in this game actually than the game on Saturday night. To be honest. Uh, Rory, yeah, I do. I have a sneaky feeling for tip. I think there's more at stake for them. I think if they lose, I think their season is pretty much done and dusted. I think. No, I know two wins will probably still get you out of the round robin, but I think they're they 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 will be up against it big time, knowing that they've got to go to the Gaelic grounds and knowing how difficult they have. Um, the difficulties they've had with Limerick in the past. So I think there's just too much at stake for Tip. And I'd be worried as well. I mean, who, like, I mean, Dalo mentioned John Conlon will probably play six. Does he then, does that mean then that he matches up with Noel McGrath? John Conlon is John Conlon. You're going to need a man marker for Noel McGrath. John Conlon is not a man marking centre back. He's just, you know, so then are you I'd looking say at there'd be someone there'd be someone Jack detailed Brown, for that job Jack, no, right? Jack, Jack, you're looking at Jack Brown or David McInerney and then nah, you're probably looking at one of the two midfielders. I would maybe suspect Jason McCarthy might be handed that, that that he'll that he'll sit back and you're looking yeah. at a plus one. But you, they'll definitely have to do something there. I'm looking forward to seeing the clash of what will probably be Connor Cleary versus Mark Yo. That would be quite interesting, you know, a bit of a two towers job. But I think, look, Tipperary at home, more at stake for them. I'd, just, I'd give them a, a slight nod, but I think it'll be tight. Yeah, uh, I, I wonder whether the, 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 the coming in a week late might actually be a disadvantage at the end of Tip have had the, had the run out, but we'll, we'll wait and see. I'll back Tip too, just Dalo. There'll be no shadow boxing in this one, anyway, Mickey. No, no, there certainly oh, won't be. No, there'll be, uh, be full blooded. These won't be worried about meeting each other three times in championship. Yeah, the, the losers of this one. Yeah. Okay, um, we'll we'll move on to Leinster and and really one game that's um I mentioned it on Tuesday, kind of bemoaning the fact that the the sixth game, the sixth team Leinster Championship, Dennis, it kind of has us look good. And every week we're kind of looking at two fixtures and saying, well, you know, Kilkenny should beat Leash and Galway will beat Westmead. Um, and now I, I I'm just saying Leash, you know, given Leash some kind of a nod, just uh, I don't know why exactly. I think they're both. Let's be honest, they're they're clear cut home victories there so which leaves us with kind of one game to look at I, I don't know how you feel about it to me uh, I, I get the point of giving teams a chance to develop but in terms of a competition and as a trying to keep the Leinster Championship in some way on parity with the Munster Championship I just don't think it's a great look No um, over the years Mikey they've tried to JRO was really conscious of um, trying to keep the teams that are on the fringe of the elite in the in the county and in the you know the, the, on the fringe of the Lee McCarthy as it is now. But coming back years, there was four or five teams that they were trying to keep just on the edge and trying to keep them in. There used to be you know there used to be a Leinster round robin, 
before there was a Leinster champion. You know, you kind of go forward from Leinster. So there was all, they were always trying things. Remember, there used to be they tried for a couple of summers, a kind of a midsummer, a midsummer round robin for beating teams. Cork were in, Cork were in that one year as a kind of a, you know having lost a couple of games and look, it, all these things were well intentioned. But like as you say, will it will it do Leisha Westmead uh, much good to be? I don't know is the answer. I, I, I spoke to Shane O'Brien recently. He was in charge of Westmead for a few, for the last few years, and uh, they really got, they got some they got some hidings in Division One, and he struggled. You know, they really had to they really had to dig hard to find positives. And uh, but anyway, that's kind of a bit of a, a bit mm. of a, tangent, a bit of tangent to your question. Like, I don't really think I, I don't really think it benefits them to be honest. But you know, there is a tail in the Leicester Championship. But then having said that, I mean, if if you look. Last round, Robin, we had in Leinster, four teams finished on the same number of points. Mm. And Galway were knocked out on scoring difference. So, like, I'm sure all the teams are aware of that. So, that almost puts more pressure on, on teams like Westmead and Leash when the other teams are thinking crikey. Like, when Galway reflected on that summer, they didn't beat Carlo by enough. Yeah. That was the thing, right? They didn't beat Carlo by enough. So, the, the other teams all beat Carlo by 10 points more than Galway did. So, Dennis. That's, not, that's not a great place for Leash and Westmead to mm. be in. Yeah, but Dennis, there's, there is a rule in Dublin GA anyway, I know, because we got relegated. My club got relegated one year out, out of it, whereby if teams finish level on points, it's scoring difference between the teams that finish level on points as opposed to overall scoring difference. Sure, sure. And I think I think that has to come in. That that rule has to come into the Leinster Championship yeah. because yeah. If, if you're if you're knocking the bejesus out of a team early doors or and then they get slightly dispirited towards the back end, they've thrown their towel in. You're not you're not meeting the same challenge, and there's a disparity then between the the, the paucity of the challenge that you mm. face, which yeah. can obviously which can obviously affect then the tallies that you're getting on the scoreboard. So I'm just what, what do you think? I mean, I yeah, know. that's a fair point. It, it, it actually wouldn't have helped that that year because literally four teams had the same points. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it, yeah. They couldn't. But I, actually, in the Heineken Cup, when the Italian teams used to be in the pools, they came up with some kind of a formula about that because, as you say, like there was teams were. We're kind of beating up on the Italian team, and it was distorting the rankings. So they had some kind of formula for that. But like, uh, look, Leash did really well last week, and Leash have shown that they can pop up with performances and outcomes when we don't expect it. Yeah, that, that's why I'm kind of almost not giving them a hope, but saying that game could be competitive for 50 minutes, 55 minutes. Um, because we've already had a draw yeah. between two of the two of the main contenders, Dale. So Dublin's trip to Extra Park on Saturday evening is, you know. You could say either team, whoever gets a win here is probably not sitting pretty, but is but will be feeling pretty confident about getting one of the three top spots. I'd, I'd say they're in the top spot, like I, I, the top three spots. I'd say they're there. Like I, mm. I can't see where they'd be cut, tripped up. Like I don't think. If we might have said the same thing in 2019 as well. <laughs> they, yeah, there are, but, there's always potential pitfalls. I know, but I'd say like if the dubs go down and win, and and they beat Westmead, which you can't see that not being a win. Sure, they can't Wexford unless they do something. But yeah, I suppose. Look, it could still Wexford is still formidable. But like, I, I'd say the winner of this is in the tree. I'd say, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Um, a word a word on Dublin. Then they always like to get your insight. Um, Donald Burke just like his importance. Like it's you know six points from play in a championship match. I don't care who the opposition is on top of seven from freeze. Um, you know, a thirteen point haul is 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 something else, and he is just he just seems to have kind of reached another level. I don't know what what do you think he has in the last year or so. 
Yeah, he, he was always a fine player, like your underage that, you know, even when I was there, I remember seeing underage games in Parnell and you'd pick him out, top left-hand striker, you know. Um, yeah, he's, great. he's a very good player, um, crucial to them. Interestingly enough, I think a big one is Rian McBride is back available, and I, I think that's a huge... Um, he was suspended Dale, was he? Yeah, like, because he's the centre-forward man. I think Sutcliffe had a great game against Leash because maybe McBride wasn't... Uh, Sutcliffe had a great league, like, overall. Um, and I think that could be crucial to them if they have a chance, that, that half-forward line, including Donald Burke. So I think that, yeah, he's crucial. So a few more need to step up, though. And uh, look, I would have tipped Dublin to be in the tree. I'd be kind of worried now after watching the Leash game, I have to say... Um, they need to deliver, but they're capable of delivering. Sometimes they let you down, and in my time as well, when you expect it most. Um, and sometimes then when they're kind of, you know, people are saying, ah, Wexford, that was a great draw against Galway, and they were out of it for a long time and all this, and the dubs will be good to go down and, and defy that. And I, I, might, I think it's all dependent on where Lee Chin is. And I thought, I suppose, when I was making the prediction that Lee Chin wouldn't be available for the first two, maybe three rounds, now, we saw the effect Lee Chin had on the whole thing last Saturday. I mean, he was immense when he came on. Like So, if Chin is good to go for 50 minutes, you probably might be giving the edge now to Wexford. But Dubs, Dubs are up to the Kilkenny game, and that was so... I was doing co-commentary that night, and just the crowd that was in like that night. And it, I can remember those nights, let's say, when I was in charge, those Parnell nights, and, and they were really saying, it's going to be electric tonight. And I'm stuck into this crowd, and just Kilkenny blew them away. Like, and... It's the farm hasn't been good since and it wasn't good last Saturday. So and it could be very costly if things stay tight. Like if this was a draw now and that scoring difference against Leach could be very costly. So yeah, they have to show something that they didn't show against Kilkenny or against Leach. So I'd be hoping that that would be for you know being involved with a might of a graph from obviously mm. uh, they'd have to deliver that and they have to go down and win, I'd say that's the bottom line for Matty and, and the lads. Yeah, um, there's a few interesting battles, Dennis, uh, kind of around around the middle, I guess, here. Well, you mentioned the half-forward line of Dublin. Um, for Wexford, like, it, it's hard to overstate the importance of, of Paddy Foley to, to kind of how Wexford play. Um, and himself, uh, Damien Reck was also... He, he stood up against Galway, and as I mentioned here on Tuesday, Galway are a hard team to stand up against because they're very physical and they, they, like, they are... They're big men, and the Wexford half-back line, um, I think, did, did a decent job there. And then, obviously, if Lee Chin plays, he's going to add some ballast to a Wexford half-forward line that, in my opinion, was, was a bit lightweight. Um, Oshin Foley, you know, it's probably, it's, if you're not championship debutant, it's definitely, uh, it was his first time kind of starting a game, I would say. And Lee McGovern, McGovern's a great player, but then training with Gukin, I would say the Wexford half-forward line, in, in my opinion, might have been their weakest line if you take Chin out of it. You put Chin into it and all of a sudden it's transformed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And whether, as as um, Dilla was saying, whether he'd be able to start or whether they prefer to bring him on again. I mean, what was what was so damaging for Wexford last Saturday was how passive they were in the first half. Like yeah. the, the complete lack of, even though, as you say, Gobby are a huge team, uh, much bigger than Wexford, really, man for man. But they, there was just no aggression. Uh, there was just no... Um, Kind of the kind of intensity that, and ferocity that you would expect from a from a team playing at home in, in the championship. And um, once they found that, once they found that in the second half, it was a different proposition. And plus, plus they dropped some. You, you mentioned about the Wexford halfbacks not doing too bad. Like Galway had the halfback line heavily manned. It was like triple glazing, and they were dropping the ball down on top of it um, in the first half, especially, and getting no 
the back and it was just crazy stuff and they had McDonald inside on his own isolated with two or three guys around him now, Mac, actually McDonald was heroic the way he was the way yeah. he, took on, <laughs> he, took on. he performed admirably considering he, there was no one in the same air code as him yeah I don't know who I don't know who the host broadcasters gave man a match to but I gave it to McDonald because I thought he absolutely he was fighting three guys on his own including Dahi Burke who was a hell of a man to fight you know and to get the goal that kind of brought them back into it and so on but um like I'm sure they would have learned a lot from that. Like Darry Egan's a smart, smart, smart young coach, and you know it was a big day for him too. His first championship match, and um, I'm sure there'd be a different proposition on, on Saturday. And and Dennis, like that's that's the mouth watering one. Like you you'd expect them to be more advanced back at home again, learned a bit from from last week, and would give McDonald more support. But McDonald and O'Donnell's clash <laughs> on the edge yeah. of the square, fascinating one. Like he got a fair yeah. bit of change out of Dahi Bork now, which probably you wouldn't have felt going in. Exactly. So, but is O'Donnell even a more informed fullback now than, than Dahi? Um, Jesus, that 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 could be crucial to the whole thing. Who will win that one? Yeah, I I would I would put Conor McDonald down as uh, should we say a streaky player, a confidence player, and he'd have taken some confidence from that first half because as he said, he kind of he probably scored a par when it wouldn't have been expected, and then in the second half, like he he was a lot more influential and he scored a goal, Rory that kind of defied physics slightly um i not sure. i was at the other end of the field i didn't see it until i saw it on on social media afterwards and i just i still can't quite fathom how it went in superb i mean like i think yeah and dennis dennis nailed it there in terms of man of the match plus i think his uh comment in his column the following day in 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 the sunday times about a team winning the draw was a great comment i loved it in that like i do think wexford won that draw and i think I said we said to you like we when we were kind of previewing the championships, Wexford are very much a momentum side. I think the one thing that was noticeable for me last Saturday, no, I haven't said that. Like it was hard to say. I know the attendance popped up ten thousand, whatever. It's a long way for Galway to travel, and I accept that. I'd imagine it's going to be a far bigger crowd this time round. There'll be a much more raucous atmosphere. The Dubs will bring down numbers. I'm sure the Wexford crowd will come out now and support. The weather forecast this weekend is meant to be good. I think that'll add to it as well. And um, I think like they will have like, Wexford are very much a momentum side. They I think the first half performance really kind of struck me as a side that you know got a bit of a shot to the jaw of Watford and maybe had their confidence knocked out of them a little bit, and it just took them a while to kind of find their feet again. And I think the last 10 or 15 minutes showed that there's plenty in them and um I think Dublin will have it all to do down there on Saturday night. Dalo, how do you how do you see the result? You, you seem you, you sound confident about Dublin, but are you mm. w- would you would you be putting the housekeeping money on it? No, because I and I would have. I tell you now, coming up to that Kilkenny League game, I, I was confident Dublin being the three. Just think, probably, geez, when I saw the effect of Chin last Saturday, I really I really was thinking if he is able to go for as then I said, they might probably hold him, you know. Um, it's, it's hard to call now this one again. I think if the Dubs show up, likes of Conor Burke and Crummy midfield now, they could they could dominate midfield. Like, if they come down nice and angry that we're not going well, we need to start delivering, you know, uh, Paddy Smith and, and, and O'Donnell then are solid center, central defenders. So, need more inside. Ronan Hayes will have to deliver a bit more, but is he lacking support in there? You'd say Eamon Dillon starting didn't go well the last time. So maybe Eamon is going to be held popped in the last 15 minutes, Trolley or a great man to get a goal. But I still think if Chin is able to play 
Wexford probably and the other factor I think Niall Cochran is involved there with Dara Niall does Dublin fellas like the back of his hand like and he will know exactly the type of player to mark the type of player including clubmates of his and all that you know so um, give a slight edge to Wexford at this stage but wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised now if Dublin went in and, and turned them over Dennis, are you, are you any more sure on this one than the two lads? <laughs> oh, I'm still thinking about the grounds and the yards tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> There's only six of them out of the traps. But uh, uh, I, uh, I, oh, look, I'm glad, Mikey, we have, we don't do previews anymore. I'm 32 years. I was 30 years tormented by previews. We don't do them anymore. And I'm, I, and you know something? I'm not even going to preview this match. Forget about it. It, it could be amazing. Lord, no. But, uh, but yeah. they will be all in, though, Dennis. Yeah, I think Wexford are going to win because I'm like I said, uh, the the glass half full part of my personality is reserved for her for hurling. The footballers get the other part of my personality. Unfortunately, poor, poor them. You, you tipped awfully. You tipped awfully before we came on to win the football match, did you? I did. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know. I know. I, I'm a realist. The good, the good thing. The good thing about Wexford and I hope Park I'm wrong. Saturday, I love being the wrong. Thing, the good thing about Wexford Park on Saturday night is, um, Fergal Horgan is refing. So, um, uh, he no, he's not one to be dishing out yellow cards and red cards and black cards, but he might need them. <laughs> he might need a few of them on Saturday this, night. This will be worry enough, I'd say. Uh, there'll be plenty of timber dished out. And, You'll uh, probably be able to stand over a free for 14 seconds, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know, Rory, like, do you know, like, about going overboard, I, I hope you're right because I was really surprised by how by Wexford on Saturday. I really. He was expecting something different and mm. something, you know, way more aggression and so on. There was a Fogler Hogan referee, Wexford and Kilkenny, in a round robin game in Wexford Park two or three years ago. And there was flaking galore. And I think probably the lads in the Sunday, <laughs> lads in the Sunday game were saying, geez, this is great and all the rest of it. But Fogler Hogan would have had a serious word in his ear after that game. Didn't get a game for the rest of the championship, if, if I remember. And the mm. next time, next time he came out, he gave something like 40 odd frees between the same two teams. So, mm. like, let's see how that works out on Saturday. But uh, let's hope there was a, that bite that, or that, because it wasn't there for so long last Saturday. Well, Dennis, no. you're not like I would say then, like maybe straight afterwards on Saturday evening in the dressing room, you've Darry Egan coming in saying, and fellas are hugging maybe or clapping each other in the back for getting a draw, like out against the odds uh, all game. I'd say he'd be catching one of them by the throat and saying, You think that was a good draw? Yeah. I think it was an absolute S H I T E draw because. Yeah. You know, that, like they didn't play well at all, and, no. and he'll be hammering them this week. I'd say for that, so that's a nice place to be now as a Absolutely. manager. You got the result, which is a big result. We Galway, we all fancy Galway all year, and yet you have the players where you want them all week. Like I, I, I can't, I can't ever remember uh, a ten-point game end up in a draw. That was a ten-point game. Like we said, I know there was a lot of focus, a lot of focus on the last couple of frees, and obviously, you know, that was whatever. That mm. was what the outcome hinged on in the end. But that was a ten-point game for Galway at their ease. Like they were so far, they were so far in control, so much in control, there's so many chances. Like they shouldn't even, like actually, Galway shouldn't even be taking about the last five minutes. That, that game should be over 15, 20 minutes ago. It was, it was, it was a five-point deficit down to a four-point deficit, up to a five-point deficit, down to a four-point deficit for the entire second half until the last five or six minutes. So yeah, it, it really shouldn't have happened, but I'm delighted that it did. Um, yeah. Right, lads, uh, thank you very much. I enjoyed that chat. Um, thank you to Dennis and to Dalo and to Rory, of course, and to Wheelow and to Damien earlier. And uh, we'll be back on Monday to uh, revel in two Wexford wins with any luck. Good luck. We'll chat to you then. Dublin lead by a 
we earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it, 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 he h